this morning um, we're going to look at um, through the word of god but from a slightly different angle through the glass of greek mythology you know in greek mythology you know two stories which i'm going to share this morning and look at god's word and see how it kind of relates to that right the first one is about achilles okay have you heard of achilles and this this person called achilles in greek mythology of course fictional not real this legends and so on so achilles mother his name being thetis she wants her son to grow up to be a warrior she wants her son to be strong and invincible so from somewhere she gets this information she goes to this river called styx and uh, thing is to dip him in that river she has to dip him in that river and the mythology is this that when he's dipped in the river he comes out he'll be invincible so thetis takes achilles he's a small boy a baby and takes him to the river and dips him in the river she holds him by the heel with her hand and dips him in the river and brings him out now achilles grows up to be a strong warrior a mighty man of war and he wins many battles he's invincible he goes and you can say that achilles will win because he's invincible no one can bring him down till one day in one battle an arrow finds his heel and that heel is a spot where thetis held him and dipped him that part which did not get wet with the waters of that river and that arrow from the enemy finds his heel the most vulnerable spot the only vulnerable spot in his entire body and he dies he loses that war he dies he pays for it with his life so i want to ask us this morning you know we might be strong but i want to ask this question is there an achilles heel in your life is there an achilles heel in your life that vulnerable spot which this which the devil can come in step in push that button and bring you down that vulnerable spot in your life which the devil can come and and turn those handles and he knows that you will respond or react in a certain way is there an achilles heel in your life now an achilles heel could be something like this it could be an unconfessed sin an unconfessed sin a sin that you do not acknowledge you know you've committed you've done this thing which is wrong between god you know before god you know that it's wrong but it's not acknowledged you don't want to acknowledge it you want to just ignore it we just push it aside brush it aside and say it's okay just don't don't even want to think about it we shut it out or an unconfessed sin where we are justifying and rationalizing and saying hey i did this because you know i was provoked to the max i was or i was tempted to the max therefore you know i gave in therefore i sinned but whatever it is you know we've not taken that step to go before god and say lord i acknowledge that it is wrong and is there an achilles heel in the area of unconfessed sin in your life 
because an unconfessed sin can really weigh us down it can really burden us emotionally spiritually sometimes even physically we feel the symptoms physically it can weigh us down it's like running with a backpack you know that you use for mountaineering but trying to go for that 100 meter dash with that backpack an unconfessed sin an unconfessed sin is also results in lack of confidence when we come before god when we come come before god and in, in god's presence you know we don't feel like worshiping we don't feel like being in the presence of other believers where we should be where actually we can run to god and go before him because we've been washed by his blood we can go and ask for forgiveness in fact he has invited us but we do the opposite we stay away as far away as possible from god and unconfessed sin results in loss of confidence in god's presence loss of confidence in ministering to other people you know god has a great purpose and plan and he wants us to touch other lives he has blessed us so that we can be a blessing but somehow you know we're not able to take that step because that unconfessed sin is just weighing on us so heavily emotionally draining us out day after day time after time you know in david's life david committed great blunders he went for this woman called bathsheba committed adultery with her she was already married he committed adultery with her which resulted in she conceiving the first thing he did was trying to cover up that sin so he tried to arrange circumstances so that it could be as if it was their own child as if the bathsheba and uh, her husband's child so he tried to organize circumstances and events in their life but it didn't work out and then he went for plan b which was to completely eliminate bathsheba's husband from the picture which he succeeded in and this unconfessed sin was in his life till god had to send nathan the prophet nathan and bring to light what he had done and then he repented but this extracted a heavy price psalm 38 if you can turn to psalm 38 and uh, verses 4 and 5 psalm 38 and verse 4 it says for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden they are too heavy for me my wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness and proverbs 6:32 and 33 talks about adultery and the sin of adultery and it says whoever comes commits adultery lacks understanding destroys his own soul and wounds and dishonor he will get so david was in that place and god brought about light over the dark area in his life and exposed it you know an unconfessed sin results in us living a life of no joy life of no joy where we suddenly realize that hey the all the joy that i used to experience in god has disappeared i don't experience that anymore joy is just a mr joy in office or miss joy whom i know a neighbor joy is not there joy has disappeared there is no joy joy is a faint distant memory unconfessed sin results in that so what is the remedy is to bring light in this area because unconfessed sin becomes playground of the devil that area becomes a playground of the devil the de- devil steps in with his agenda 
he steps in with his agenda and with his bag of tricks, with his bag, with his resources, and he starts camping in that area. And we need to go before God and ask the God of all hope to shed light in that area and say, God, you know, I'm wrong. I acknowledge that this is wrong. I acknowledge that I sinned. So God, will you forgive me? And scripture is very clear. It says that he will forgive. He will forgive. You know, 1 John 1, 9, we see that, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And that letter was written to believers. So I want to ask us this question. You know, is there unconfessed sin in our lives? Maybe the Holy Spirit has been prompting. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been convicting us, you know, time and again. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, you know, it's very difficult to shake it off. Shake that conviction off. You go to bed and the conviction is there. It's not condemnation. You know, it's not guilt and shame. But it's that conviction where God is saying, you know, you need to come out of darkness. You need to come to the light. And it's such a painful process at times because sometimes it involves God and sometimes it involves other people. And God stirs up and pose in that conviction in our hearts and says, you need to do that. However painful it might be, you need to do that. You need to confront and you need to confess. Maybe, you know, God is doing that in our lives. God has been doing that. Maybe he's been prompting. Maybe he's been drawing. Now it's time to go to him and change and allow his truth to reign in that area. And change that area of weakness into strength. Because if we let that continue, you know, that's an Achilles heel. The enemy might ignore it for some time. But he knows that when he hits you there, he can bring you down. And with that, you know, comes an end to the purposes that God has for us. God is able to redeem. God is able to restore. But, you know, intentionally, let's go before God and say, Lord, you know, this is one area that I have not confessed, that is before me now. And even as you're convicting, I'd like to place it before you. I'd like to submit it before you. So unconfessed sin can be an Achilles heel. Unconquered weakness can be an Achilles heel. Unconquered weakness. And a weakness could be several things. It could be maybe an issue like anger. You know, but then say, you know, my grandfather was angry man and my father was an angry man. Therefore, I am. An angry man. It's like a rolling trophy, you know, thank you, and you pass it on. So I want to ask us this question. Let's take a vote this morning. Is it wrong to be angry? How many of you are saying, yes, it's wrong to be angry? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you are saying it's okay to be angry? And those in between, you, know, you can decide now. Or forever hold your peace. Okay. You know, we see in scripture that, you know, anger is a good emotion. You know, God is... Uh, God displays righteous anger. You know, just like how pain is. Pain shows that something is wrong in our body. And if we continued uh, you know, doing something which was wrong and then we didn't feel any pain, we'll just destroy ourselves. So anger shows that somebody's right has been violated. Anger shows maybe somebody's expectations have not been met. And maybe the right has been violated in an unjust manner. So anger is good. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 talks about 
anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. And saying, I can't put these two together. These have always come as a package, you know, buy one, get one free. Anger, sin. Anger, sin. But then, scripture makes a difference. It says, be angry, but do not sin. And then he goes on to say, you know, how to deal with that and so on. So we look at that. It says, be angry, do not sin. Which means that what I do with my anger, you know, how I react, how I respond, how I throw the things in my hand when I feel angry, the words that I speak, the words that I shoot out as a bullet when I'm angry, you know, that is what is sinful. That is what causes me to step out of righteousness and do unrighteous act. So he says, be angry, do not sin. And then he says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a time frame here saying, you're angry, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, make amends, deal with it. Talk to the people with whom you're angry. Try to reconcile. Don't let the sun go down. For those of us working in BPOs, it's don't let the sun rise up on our wrath. It's the other way. But whatever it is, there's a time frame here. So, first instruction, be angry, do not sin. And the second one is, you know, don't let the sun go down. You have that time frame. Work with it. It's difficult, but do it. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Nor give place to the devil, which means that, you know, when we are angry, when we are, when we are sinning, and, we are, and when we are not dealing with it, it's like we are giving an invitation for the powers of darkness to come in into our lives, to come in and, and, you know, and manipulate and push those buttons in our lives and pull those strings. We are, in fact, handing over those keys and say, welcome. So he says, don't give place to the devil. Be angry. Do not sin. And maybe some of us are saying, you know, anger is not my issue, you know. Whatever happens, I'm cool. But then lust is an issue. Lust is an issue. Maybe for us men, you know, we need to be careful. Maybe we've been grown up listening, uh, growing, you know, in school and college, you know, boys will be boys and men will be men. But guys, you know, we have called to mature as men of righteousness. Amen. Maybe lust is an issue. You know, there's this uh, verse in... Um, Job chapter 31 and verse 1. You know, the eyes are the windows of our heart. A lot of things happen when we, when we do not control our eyes, when we feast on things, when we should, you know, on things that we should fast on. Job 31 and verse 1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? It doesn't mean that, you know, you just go around with your eyes closed with blinders like horses sometimes. It's not that. But it's that we, you know, there is that transition between that looking and when we shift to feasting. And we are trying to satisfy our carnal senses. When that moves, you know when that shift happens. Because the Holy Spirit is grieved. He has put an internal check in us. You know when that shift happens. So he says... I have made a covenant with my eyes. Any unconquered weakness is an Achilles heel. Maybe you're thinking, you know, this particular area is unconquered in my life. You know, how do I get over it? And Fred Stoker talks about this, that he made a covenant with his eyes. 
he made a covenant with his eyes which means that even if he was going down he was driving down he'll see all these billboards and you know all these magazines in the departmental store at the checkout place and so on he made a covenant with his eyes so when he sees something that is uh, that he should not rest his eyes upon because it's going to interfere with his thought process he will bounce his eyes he will move his eyes quickly because the mind takes some time to register that image so he he calls that bouncing his eyes and god uses him today in this very area which he was held bondage by praise god he's written a couple of books one is called uh, every uh, man's battle and the other one every young man's battle and i think men we should read it we should read these books so get over this unconquered weakness it could be lust and what about a people pleasing attitude sometimes you know you might say lust is not my problem anger is is not my problem you know but sometimes we we have this attitude people pleasing attitude where we please people to the point of compromising with the truth you know when somebody asks you know how does my shirt look and you you know it's it's bad but you smile and say you know give them a double thumbs up and say go for it because we want that person to you know always approve of us or maybe affirm us and bill johnson says he says if you live for the praises of people you will die by their criticisms you know if we live for the praises of people if you're you know if you're continually living for others compliments and if that is what makes us get up in the morning and go if that is what drives us you know then we are on very slippery ground it's an unconquered weakness we need to conquer this we need to get right with god we need to know who we are in christ the fact that we are approved the fact that we are accepted in the beloved we are accepted by god that we are justified by him and get that into our heart get that into our mind maybe it's fear fear of the future fear of the unknown fear of failure and so on and we see that every unconquered weakness has been fueled or is fueled or strengthened by an unrenewed mind with unrenewed thought patterns every unconquered weakness it has an unrenewed mind a mind that is not on the things of god a mind which has thought processes which are not controlled by the spirit of god a mind which is controlled by the flesh and romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace so what is a carnal mind a carnal mind is a mind which belongs to a believer but then his thought processes are not in alignment with the word of god so he's thinking he's meditating about certain things which are not in line with the word of god and that further feeds his weakness his or her weakness so an unconquered weakness has an unrenewed mind which is feeding it which is strengthening it so the thing is to go to god romans 8 and verse 13 says if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live so is an unconquered weakness in your life you know it's time to get intentional about this and not say you know this is something that i have to live with till i cross over 
to that other side of eternity. Now we can work on this. You know why? Because God has given us his resources. God has given us his resources. He doesn't want us to go halfway in fulfilling the plans that he has for us and be brought down by the enemy, struck down by his arrow in that Achilles heel. He wants that area to be changed. Think about Fred Stoker. You know, four women. Can you think about it? At one point in his life. But God changed that weakness. I'm sure he must have thought, you know, I can never get out of this. How do I get out of this? But God changed that very weakness and made it his strength. So today he's ministering to people, men like us, who are in that same place and speaking about the freedom of God and men being set free by the word and spirit of God. Amen. And that is what God can do in our lives. You know, every unconquered weakness, probably you're thinking, you know, how do I get out of it? You know, God will do something better. You know, he'll take you out of it as long as you're cooperating with him. And he'll turn that very thing which was holding you down into an area of strength and use that strength to minister to other people and set other people free. And that's our God. That's our God. So we need to get intentional about it and say, God, if you say it's possible, I believe it, God. So I'm going to work on this. I'm going to cooperate with your Holy Spirit. I'm going to read your word. You know, some of us read the word of God thinking that it will make God happy. The word of God, when we read it, it makes us happy. Because these are thoughts of God. And God's thoughts going through our mind renews it. Where there is discouragement, there is hope and encouragement from the word of God. Amen. And the mind is renewed. When the mind is renewed, our behavior changes. There is transformation. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul writes and he says, be transformed. And he goes on to explain how. He says, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants us to, is more than willing to show us his will, to reveal his will to us. But is our mind being renewed constantly to the word of God? You know, I just want a couple of volunteers here, uh, maybe a, a big man and a small man. Uh, you can come up. Anyone big here? Uh, tall here? Okay, uh, Ajit, come. Brother, can you come? Come. Okay, so we ha- I just want to read one more verse before we get into this. You know, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Okay, let's read that. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit also, you know, he's more than willing to do, to what? To help us in our weaknesses. He's not, you know, you know, standing there and saying, okay, you got your weakness, deal with it. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, so the Spirit of God is more than willing to help us in our weakness. We have the Word of God. Our minds need to be renewed to that. We have the Spirit of God. And even as we pray in the Spirit, He helps us. He builds that strength in us, in our spirit, to overcome that weakness and change it into an area of strength. Okay, so, um, okay, we have this big problem here. Okay, so we have, uh, you know, let's say an unconquered weakness. Okay, okay, Jerry is here. Now, Jerry wants to, you know, Get over this weakness. It's been troubling him ever since he became a believer. 
before he was a believer you know he just reveled in it but now since he's a believer he knows god's word says hey don't do this and god's word says i'm going to help you but you know jerry jerry's been struggling so jerry's been trying in his own strength to uh, so jerry's been pushing you know he's been trying through his teenage years he's been trying in his 20s he's been trying in his 30s and he's he's reached that point in life where he's saying man i can't do this anymore i can't do this anymore i i give up you know i know the standards but i'm unable to live up to it i know that there is a weakness in my life i acknowledge that but how do i get over it so jerry starts reading the word of god and it's changing his mind he's changing his thinking now he knows that he's more than a conqueror in christ he knows that christ will lead him in a triumphal procession he knows that he's the aroma of christ he knows that through him that the uh, the christ god will diffuse the uh, fragrance of christ in every place so his mind is being renewed now and then he's baptized with the holy spirit starts praying in other tongues and he reads that the holy spirit helps me in my weakness and therefore he starts praying he starts praying and he's strengthening himself now now he starts to pray he starts to pray he says lord i need you to help me overcome this weakness so the holy spirit comes so and if you remember the holy spirit is called the paracletos the helper right so holy spirit comes and this is what he does okay so he takes hold of jerry now jerry's hands are there he's pushing against the weakness he's unable to do that but the holy spirit comes he takes hold of jerry first he takes hold of jerry and with jerry he starts pushing against the weakness and there goes the let's give them a big hand i think they thanks guys there is jerry suhas and ajit okay thank you so much so so the holy spirit takes hold of me you know it's not an isolation you can't say god help me and just leave it the holy spirit takes hold of me and with me goes against my weakness and you see the weakness is being changed you see the weakness is being changed into strength you know the word of god uh, you know the gifts of god they're not they're given for a purpose that we might be strong 1 corinthians 14 and we read that whoever prays in a tongue edifies himself but our mind needs to be renewed as well and the third area which could be an achilles heel in your life could be an unresolved conflict we looked at unconfessed sin unconquered weakness maybe it's an unresolved conflict unresolved conflict maybe between husband and wife maybe between siblings parent child between friends you know we all have conflicts but you know when we read ephesians 4 we are called to deal with it not let the sun go down there is a time frame there which means that actively you seek ways by which we can resolve conflicts you know some conflicts um you know we see that they are unable to be resolved because it involves the will of the other person as well you are willing to resolve but it involves the will of the other person as well so sometimes you know we are not able to make much headway but we can still pray we can ask god to change that person's heart but this is what god says as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men as much as depends on you which means that you know i clear up i do things to resolve this conflict 
Because if I don't resolve the conflict, if I don't make those attempts, if I don't clear things, then that becomes an Achilles heel. We want to do city transformation. We want to go out and do great things for God. And God wants us to do those great things. It's not just us. But let's go to God and say, God, I have this unresolved conflict. And Lord, let that become an area of strength. Let that become an area of strength. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, talks about that and what our, um, our perspective should be when it comes to conflicts. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, if your brother has something against you, you so the scripture is saying, you know, you do something to sort that out. You take that initiative to resolve that conflict, to reconcile, and then come and offer the gift. Another scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, when we go out to share the gospel, it's a ministry of reconciliation. When we go to preach, it's a ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry has been given to each one of us, every believer. And just think about it. You and I were reconciled to God first. And now we've been given the ministry and we're going around telling the world, hey, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. What are we doing when we say, you know, receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior? We're saying be reconciled to God. And we've been made as ministers of reconciliation. So how much more in our own life that this needs to be a strength? As much as depends on you. You do the rest to God. Leave the rest to God. As much as depends on you. And he says here, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, that we are ministers of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The gospel is called, the message of gospel is called the word of reconciliation. So we can't let it be an unconquered weakness in our life. God being our help, God being our strength, you know, let's go all out. You know, I, I'm just reminded of this, um, this fight that I had. I just want to be, you know, frank and open. I just fight this I had with my, with my wife. And uh, this happened many years ago, not yesterday. <laughs> many years ago, but it was again on a Saturday, you know. And, and those days we were worshiping in another church. Was, I was scheduled to lead worship. And, uh, and I was saying, God, it had to happen on a Saturday. You know, if it's on a Monday, then I have so much time to repent and reconcile. And, but Sunday morning, I need to go before, you know, the people and say, you know, come before him with singing, you people. So let's shout with joyful voices and all that. And so I, I just took a ride in my bike and I was going and um, I, was, I started to talk to God. I said, Lord, you know, this is what she said. And then I, said, I also added, I said, Lord, this is what I said. This is what she said. This is what I said, Lord. And it went on for a while. Then after some time, then I said, um, the Spirit of God is talking. And I said, Lord, 
you know, what I said was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that, Lord. What I did was wrong. And then I finished my list and then I, again I went to her list. But Lord, you know, this is what she did. And then the Lord spoke to me and he prompted me and he said, enough, enough. You know, you brought your list. You've said you're sorry. Just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Because when we go before God and go with our list and say, Lord, I'm sorry for all this, God actually works in our heart. He brings us to a place where we can go back to the person and say, you know what, I'm sorry. If we do that with God. So how do we turn this weakness into strength? Go before God. Take that list. You know, when you go through that list, some of those things might be very, very painful because those words come back. Those actions come back to you. And those words are ringing in your mind. But irrespective of the provocation of that person, whatever that person did, irrespective of this, cut that out and say, God, this is what I did. And according to your holy standard and according to you know, all that you've put in, written in your word and according to your promptings and leadings, I know that this is wrong. What I did was wrong. And so, God, I'm sorry. And what God does is from that point, he takes us to another place where we are in a place where we are willing to reconcile. Initially, we're not even willing to reconcile. We're not even willing to reconcile. We're not willing to face that person. But when we go to God with our list, when we just talk to him, he brings us to a place where we are willing to reconcile. And then you tell God, God, I'm willing to do that. Yes, God, I, you know, unemotionally, you know, if you forgive the other person and say, Lord, I forgive, I forgive that person. And then God brings us to another level where we are able to forgive out of our own hearts, wholeheartedly, where we are able to face that person, where we are able to reconcile. But it starts with us facing God alone, with our list, the list which contributed to the conflict, irrespective of the provocation of the other person. It starts with us and he makes us willing and able to forgive. And maybe, you know, God will prompt you this today and maybe in the days to come to do that. Maybe it's time to write an email. Maybe it's time to write a letter. Maybe it's time to pick that phone and make a call. Maybe send a text message and say, let's meet. We need to talk because when we reconcile or when we are sorted out from, you know, from our side, we are leaving the door open. For reconciliation. We're leaving the door open for the other person, making it a little bit easier. And when you're finally face to face and talking and um, the other person says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry too, be willing to receive that forgiveness and be willing to grant that forgiveness. Because, you know, we want to see that remorse. Now, sometimes we have a fight and in five minutes, you know, the person says, comes and says, I'm sorry. But we are not in a position to forgive. You know, we want it to cook a little bit more. You know, it has to be well done. I don't like my food rare. <laughs> you know, it needs to be well done. We're Indians, most of us. <laughs> so, you know, we want to allow it to steam a bit. We want to meditate on that a bit. And let that remorse work there. And then finally we say, okay, okay, I forgive you. But you know, when the, when the person is very sincerely asking for forgiveness... Grant that forgiveness. And also when we are asking for forgiveness, you know, we need to be specific. We can't say, you know, Adam sinned, therefore I sinned, so please forgive me. That's a very general 
you know, asking for forgiveness. We need to go before, before the person and say, you know, I'm sorry that I said this, this, and this. I'm sorry that I did this, and I know that I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Be specific and be willing to receive and grant forgiveness. So we've been looking at the Achilles heel, you know, areas of weakness in our lives, and we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it clinically, surgically. We need to deal with it on purpose because if we do not deal with it, one day it will bring us down. If we don't deal with it now, years from now, years from now, maybe we are, you know, we are, uh, you know, we are in the 60s or 70s or 80s, it will still be there. Time does not heal. It's only our God who is the balm of Gilead who brings about healing. Time does not heal. Time only makes us bitter. But God heals. So be willing to receive that healing and pass on to the others as well. So we looked at, you know, one mythology, uh, mythological story. But I want to close with one more. And that's called the Trojan horse. You know, a lot of viruses are named after that, right? The Trojan horse. And this is how the story goes. Paris of Troy takes away Helen, who's Menelaus' wife, from Sparta. Because of that, there is this Trojan war. So, this war is, um, again, it's a legend and it's a, it's a mythological thing and it's written by, uh, it's, it's there in uh, Homer's Iliad and Odyssey. But about the Trojan horse, it is there in, uh, in Odyssey, which is written. You know, source being Wikipedia, you can check it up. But this is what they did. They came and they laid a siege to the city, right? To the Trojan city. It was a fortified city, big walls. They laid a siege, trying to force the people out. But the siege went on for many days, and apparently it went on for many years. But it was a very unsuccessful siege, but the, because the Trojans were safe inside, and they could you know, actually sustain life, they could carry on. So it was a very unsuccessful siege. So the fortified walls were there, they were strong. They were inside. So then the others came up. These men from Sparta came up with a, with a strategy. They said, okay, we're going to build a huge horse. We're going to make this horse hollow on the inside, the belly. And this is what they did. They made some of the soldiers, the best men, get into the horse. They sealed it. They closed the door. And they left the horse there, a gigantic horse. And they pretended to sail away from Troy. And after sundown... They sail back in. Now, in the meanwhile, the Trojans are watching. They're looking at the horse. What do, you, what do you think that is? What do you mean? That's a horse. No, I mean, why is it there? I don't know. I'm as clueless as you are. Do you think we should go there and check it out? Now that the other guys have left, good idea. Let's go. So finally, after that siege, the doors are opened of that city. The doors which were closed, which made the people secure and safe on the inside, the doors are opened and the horse is wheeled inside the city. Wheeled inside those fortified walls which the soldiers could not get in, it's wheeled inside the city. And nightfall, at nightfall, the soldiers who were in the belly of the Trojan horse, they come, they open the doors, the others come in and that's the end of that city. We talked about weakness but now, when we are focusing on our strengths, you know, areas of strength where we are very secure, and we're saying, you know, I'm strong in this area. I can never fall. I'm strong in this. I can never fall. But watch out for that Trojan horse. 
Now, what is that Trojan horse that Satan is bringing before you and placing there? He just walked away. He just left it there. You're glancing at it from time to time, looking at it. You know, should I, should I not? Should I take it, should I not? And we need the discernment of God. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom. And if you're not careful, in the area that was our strength, which was our strength, we'll open the doors and let the enemy in. And they'll be able to bring down that stronghold. What was fortified and strong for many years came down in that instant when the horse was wheeled in. So I want to place before us these two things, these two stories. Achilles' heel, a place of weakness. Maybe it's an unconfessed sin, an unconquered weakness, an unresolved conflict. And the Trojan horse, where maybe an area of strength, but watch out for that Trojan horse. Watch out for the wiles of the enemy. You need the discernment of God before you make some decisions. Maybe it's a relationship that you're considering. Maybe it's a, a business proposition that you're considering. Maybe it's some move, something major and significant that you're considering. It is there. Now, can you go to God and ask him for his wisdom and ask him for his discernment? Because he's more than willing to reveal to us. And he'll confirm it in different ways. He'll warn us from his word. Maybe he'll speak to us in a dream. He'll confirm it through people. But he will do that. He will speak. Amen? Let's pray and let's close. Let's spend some time just seeking God and uh, looking at our own lives, checking our own lives and examining ourselves and saying, is there an unconfessed sin in my life? Is there some area that I've just brushed aside? Is there something that the Holy Spirit is you know, working in my life, but still you know, I've been resisting? He's been prompting. He's been, he's been cajoling. He's been just drawing me with his love, but I've been resisting. You know, is there some area in your life like that? Or maybe it's an unconquered weakness. Maybe it's something to do with anger, something to do with lust. You thought it will go away, but it's there. You thought maybe after this new resolution it will be fine, but it's still there. An unconquered weakness needs to be dealt with, with the power of God. And maybe it's an unresolved conflict that you're struggling with. Can we go before God of heaven and earth, the one who, who perfects that which concerns us? And just talk to him. Now get real with God this morning. We can take away all those masks. We don't have to portray ourselves to be someone we are not. Because he knows us already. Everything is open and bare before him. He knows it already. But the fact that we acknowledge means that we are ready for the process to happen in our lives. The process of strengthening to happen in our spirit. Maybe it's an unconquered weakness. Can you go before God? Maybe it's anger or lust or maybe it's just a people-pleasing thing. You want to say the politically right things. Maybe you want to speak words of flattery. Maybe you are living for the praises of other people, praises from other people. And that's a very difficult life. It's a stressful life because you can't please everyone at all times. Just comfort, get comfortable with how God sees you. He sees you as who you are in Christ. He sees you and I through the shed blood of Jesus. And that's a great place to be in, a position of strength. And maybe there's an un unresolved conflict. Maybe you're saying, you know, so much has happened in my life. I can't tell you. 
so much has happened so much of hurt so much of backbiting and so on i'm so hurt i can never ever resolve this no that's a great place to start it's a great place to start you can go before god and tell god how much you're hurting you can go before god and tell god how much you're how you're angry you can go before god and make that list and talk start talking to him even as we talk to god it's a transfer happening the transfer that happened on the cross you know, the power of that becomes available the transfer that happened what transfer happened on the cross sin was taken and in its place righteousness was imputed sickness was taken pain was taken and in its place healing was made available for us curse was taken and in its place blessing the blessing of abraham didn't that then the cross achieve that for us and even as you talk to god even as you open your heart to god get real with him and say god i need that healing power of the cross in my life I want to get real with you. I want to get right with you, God. And even as you pray that, God will take you from that place to a place where you'll be willing to forgive, willing to resolve, willing to reconcile. And he'll take you from that place to a place where you're able to do this with his strength. He'll take you step by step. He'll put your hands in his He's our loving heavenly father. He said, "I will never leave you. Oh, you have this unconfessed sin, I will not leave you. You have this unconquered weakness, I will not leave you. This unresolved conflict, I will not leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I will convict. The Lord will convict. The Lord will send his people. The Lord will get his message through to you." can we respond this morning and say yes lord yes lord i'm willing oh god maybe some of us here saying you know it doesn't make sense i'm i'm a strong person i'm strong in the spirit but watch out for the wiles of the enemy your life maybe is like a fortified wall it's like a fortified city watch out maybe the trojan horse is not for you maybe it's for the family And us men we need to take that place of being watchmen of the city not just our city but our families take that place and say god i will pray for my family i will be a watchman i will battle it out i will intercede for my son for my daughter i will intercede for my wife and wives we need to do that as well take that place take that position and say i will stand here and i'll be watchful i will not be complacent but i'm going to resolve to protect my family to protect my life and i will fulfill the purpose for which god has called me and maybe the holy spirit is showing specific areas in your life where you need to change where i need to change maybe the lord is showing some areas in our life where we need to go into warfare go into battle 
it's not a time to just just sit down and relax go into battle for the sake of a loved one go into battle for the sake of a loved one say lord i'm here with the person of my covenant i'm going into battle Thank you Lord we thank you Father we believe that Lord even as we have come before you Lord we believe that Lord this exchange is happening even now God Lord we believe and we receive into our hearts into our lives Father God with the power of the finished work of the cross Lord we just receive your grace master the divine enablement oh God that strengthens us to live a holy life Oh, we receive it into our lives. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you because you are with us. Because you strengthen us. You know our weaknesses. And you are more than willing to help us in our areas of weaknesses. We thank you, O oh Father God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that your word become flesh in us, God. Father this information oh God I pray that even as we apply it in our lives Lord that it will be a revelation to our spirit even as you enlighten our minds God Father we pray Lord that we be an army that we be a people who will be strong even as your word says that we be a people who know you who will be strong and who do great exploits great exploits in your name for your glory amen amen and with the grace of our lord jesus christ that empowering grace the love of god the father that all conquering and overwhelming love and the fellowship of the holy spirit the anointing the enabling of the holy spirit be with us now and in the days ahead as we intentionally purpose to journey with god as we intentionally face our weaknesses and allow him to change it into strengths both now and forever amen god bless you we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact@apcwo.org also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources Thank you for listening and God bless you.